Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper. And be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Find us there as we look to bring you the all the exciting coverage of baseball in the upcoming 2020 Sprint to the Finish Line. Uh, as we are now in single digits. We're getting close. The season is almost here. I can taste it. I am extremely yes. excited, ready to have this uh uh, kick off the the year, and then from that point, as long as nothing else happens, uh, we're looking at the return of sports overall. We'll have the NBA uh, quick little stretch before the postseason begins. There, NHL season. You see, Russell Westbrook start. has COVID. It's. Uh, I think we're going to be saying that a lot. Yeah. As the, as the year goes on, sucks for the teams. You know, the superstars that get it. Like obviously, it sucks for them, and it sucks for the team. And well, especially when we're talking playoffs, because there's no. Uh, there's no time to recover and then get back out there. Like, okay, so, so let's go to the Bucks gone. here. Like, you know, the Bucks are great. Obviously, I'm a Milwaukee guy and the Wisconsin guy. Like, if Giannis got it, right, two weeks gone, team doesn't win, that would that would break my heart because this should be the year. They were so good, so that would break my heart. But That might keep, uh, especially for those teams with, with those types of aspirations, part of the challenge is the, uh, the, the honor code. Will players actually stay quarantined? It's easier for NBA because it's the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, so you can make that happen. But, you know, baseball and NHL is going to be a whole different story. Training camp is getting ready to begin for uh, football. Uh, looking at revising the uh, uh, still uh, negotiations going back and forth, uh, they're starting to look like MLB in terms of being yeah, slow and getting this going. Yes, like this should You've had time to get this done. They can't and I even think agree on a helmet right now. They were, I think they were hoping that, cases would be going down by this point not up and so they didn't they kicked the can down the road to the point where there's no road left uh but right now it sure seems like at least for preseason they're going to shorten that number to two weeks versus four two games versus four uh and then we'll see what happens between now uh and then but the uh uh, the labor negotiations there are starting to feel a little too similar, but we've had enough of labor negotiation, yes. Phil, uh, for more than one year, and we'll leave that for a different sport to uh, to handle. Uh, but uh, as always, our Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For your best snack for movies and games of choice, sport of choice, uh, come hungry, leave happy. Christmas in July this weekend, remember, buy two, get one free. So, Come. So this will be uh, your opportunity to stock up before the season begins so uh, we can get everything uh, ready to go and feel as normal uh, as possible. To make things feel normal as possible, we are going to wrap up our division-by-division preview of the upcoming season. We're going to be taking a look here at the American League West and National League West. Uh, We will also have an interview with uh, Joe Madden, uh, which is kind of interesting, and we'll talk about it more when we get there. But I had the chance to interview him during his rookie year with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Uh, and uh, it's nice to see the, the full circle. Everything comes back. He was the uh, bench coach for Mike Sosha. Angels, yep. And Angels. got his shot with the Devil Rays. Uh, Helped break the other curse in, in uh, baseball, the one last remaining one that was there with the Chicago Cubs. 
uh, and now makes his way over to the Angels. What type of impact will that have? But again, replacing uh, his a mentor. And a legend uh, out there. And a there, legend. Like and Mike Sosha. Mike Sosha. Extremely popular manager. And we've talked about Joe Mann before, and we'll talk about him again. So Joe Mann, shelf life, but... This is, this is his time usually where he shines, and we'll get into that a little bit. And we'll see what type of uh, role uh, and influence Mike Sosha had on him in that interview as well. But let's kick things off with uh, the American League. Yeah, well, let's do the American League West. Uh, and uh, let's start with, oh, let's start with Seattle just to kind of get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> I... I, I and, and, and no disrespect to, to Seattle at this point. There's some young players like Evan White. They signed that uh, deal. Again, one of those players who hasn't uh, had one single at-bat in the majors yet. Uh, was in double A uh, to end last year. So still even a little ways away from everything. But they signed him to the major league contract. This way there's no worry about service time issues. Uh, and most likely due to this uh, no minor league season, I think the expectation is he's going to be playing uh, this year to get himself uh, some at-bats, and we'll see how he does making that big jump. There's some young players that are going to be interesting to watch, but they're at that stage of rebuilding where uh, this isn't a contending year. You just hope to see some promise. It's a good rebuild, though. They have done it the right way because you mentioned Evan White. They traded for Shed Long last year from the Yankees. I believe he's probably going to play second for them. They'll probably get D. Gordon out there, but I believe Shed Long's going to get an opportunity to play quite a bit. J.P. Crawford was one of the top shortstop prospects a few years ago, and he didn't really work out in Philadelphia, but they are going to try to revitalize it at shortstop. And then it comes down to, is my boy Jared Kalanick going to get to get a, get a chance to play? Because did you see the bit short video of him taking batting practice out there already? I know it's out there. I've at least heard of it, but Just I haven't seen it. Just listen to the ball hit the bat, because it sounds incredible. Jared Kalanick is the premier outfield prospect in the game. He was traded essentially for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz from the Mets. They, they gave some other stuff, which were actually really good players too. But Jared Kalanick is an incredible prospect, and I hope they at least give him a chance in the outfield. They have like Kyle Lewis, Jake Fraley. Those are not players that need to play over Jared Kalanick. And in a shortened season where he wouldn't get to play in the minors, I hope they give him a chance in the outfield, either in left or right. My guess is you'll see him in, like in that last month of the year at the very least because he still was – was he in double-A or triple-A by the end of last year? I think he got to double-A only. So I think when you're that far off, I think they're always worried about putting too much on a guy's plate even though you need the at-bats. I think just being around on the 60-man roster – is going to get you at bats against more more higher competition uh, during the uh, this time period, but I think they'll probably give him a cup of coffee uh, at least towards the end of the year. So Jared Kalanick is the one that's got a chance to play this year. They actually have like an even better outfield prospect way down in the minors named Julio Rodriguez, who they signed as an international free agent a couple years ago. I believe he's 19 years old already and had a 10 homer 50 or a 17 home run season at the age of 18 last year at single A for them. They signed him out of Cuba. He's a super uber prospect, too. So this is a team that's doing it the right way. They, they're they acquiring young talent. They're building for the future, and the future looks bright. It's not going to be great this year, I wouldn't expect. We're gonna Still got to find pitching. That's yep. the hard part. We're going to yeah. talk about some really good teams in this division, and the Seattle's not there yet. They don't have terrible players as pitchers. Marco Gonzalez is serviceable. They signed UC Kikuchi a few years ago. They traded for Justice Sheffield, who is another really high-rated prospect in that Shed Long deal with the Yankees. But, you know, Kendall Graveman, Taiwan Walker, those are some free agents that they signed. Try to get something out of them, and they'll, they'll be okay, but 
they're they're not going to be competitive this year. I wouldn't expect in this division. I think the biggest impact for them is you have a wheeling and dealing GM who's not really going to be able to do a whole lot this year. So how is that trigger happy? A guy going to make his way through this year is going to be the, the challenge. But uh, that being said, we can take a look at our next team. Where would you like us to go next, Corey? Let's go to the one I'm most excited for. Let's talk the Angels here. Let's talk the Angels because this is the one that's got the most questions from top to bottom. We already talked about Joe Madden. So Joe Madden's coming in, and he is excellent at revitalizing a team. He did it in Tampa Bay. He did it in Chicago. He's coming into a team that's essentially had the best player in baseball for the last you know five years. And we're talking center fielders next week, and I'm going to, spoiler alert, I'm assuming Mike Trout's going to be in my top nine as an active player. I think he's going to be the first active player that'll be on mine. Yeah. So they've had the best player in baseball, and they've underperformed. They've signed some huge contracts in there. Pujols, Josh Hamilton. They've just signed Anthony Rendon, who is an incredibly good third base player. And they have Shohei Atani. So uh, there's question marks galore on this team, but do you think Joe Madden's approach will work out here in year one? Yes, because he's a, he's a son of the organization. Uh, he built his chops out there. Uh, and also, uh, this is a an organization that hasn't been long, but you know hasn't replaced Sosha yet. I mean, yes, you can't replace such a legend, but if anyone can, it's the guy who was his understudy. Uh, it's the person who uh, learned everything from him, and now he's coming in with uh, not only that connection, but he's coming in with uh, taking two separate teams to the World Series, winning one uh, with a team that has never done it in over 100 years. So there's uh, a lot of credentials that are there, and he's become known as the rebuilder. He's the one who can come in, lay a foundation, and get a place organized and competitive. Uh, and I'm hoping he has one more of those left in him. Uh, it would be great to see that here with the with the Angels. Uh, here's a, a guy that, I, and we talked about, I had the chance to interview him during his, his rookie year with the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, this was back in 06, the... 06 record wasn't good. 07, you could see in the second half of the year, they actually had a winning record in the second half of that year. You could see things starting to turn. Uh, and he was the one who, if you remember back then, that was the whole different math. He always was the guy who had the different numbers for things. Nine equals eight. Uh, nine players working together equals one of eight playoff spots. That nice. was the, the, the phrase that was that. used. So nine equals eight. And that was the mantra in 2008. And that's the year that the Rays surprised, went from worst to first, uh, and made their way to the the World Series. If not for uh, inclement weather uh, against the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, I think that might have been a different series. But that might be the homer in me talking. But anyways, uh, an interview with with Joe Madden. And I uh, mentioned this to uh, my wife off air that uh, what I loved about going back and listening to this interview was you listen to it and it could feel like it was just happening now. If you were to ask him questions on coming to the Angels and then his philosophy and then the the influence that Mike Sosha had and uh, coming here, it would have felt like this interview just happened, even though it's been near 15 years ago now. Uh, so here's an interview with uh, Joe Madden. What did you learn from a manager like Mike Sosha and how does that affect the way in your style of managing? Um, Sosha and I really uh, pretty much worked together the whole time. Um, I had a lot of my viewpoints coming into it, and he had his, and he gave me a lot of latitude uh, in, in regard to the, the entire situation. Actually, when I took on the job, he told me he wanted me to walk in the door so I was going to manage the game every day. So what we did is we shared a lot of ideas. Um, the biggest thing Mike, uh, I, I drew from Mike, I believe, was... Um, 
is one uh, premise where uh, you play every game uh, the same regardless if it's a spring training game, the middle of July or, or the uh, end of September. And, and the premise behind that is that uh, when you play a playoff game in October, it's no different than the game you play in spring training. You play it hard, you play it right all the time. And that's what we're trying to get across here. I, I've always liked that attitude. and. Uh, um, Eventually, we're almost getting there. I would say, I've already pointed out to our guys, I think we've taken about three mulligans this year. Where I didn't really like the attitude of the team, but overall we've played it pretty hard every night. We're over halfway through over halfway through the year and getting our chance to kind of get acclimated to managing. Has there been any surprises so far to the first year on the job, or is it pretty much in what you expected? Um, I, you know, it's pretty much what I expected. I've been doing this for a while and uh, had been a manager in the minor leagues. And uh, like I said, working with Soch, uh, uh, the biggest thing, uh, allowing me so much latitude on a daily basis, uh, the biggest difference probably is that, you know, you do have to make the final decisions. Uh, the uh, in relationships with the players are a little bit different. Uh, as a bench coach, I probably uh, buddied up to them a little bit more. As a manager, I still get in there, but not maybe as much as I had as a, as a uh, bench coach. Uh, but um, really no huge surprise. I'm really enjoying it. I enjoy the daily uh, mental grind of the whole situation. I like the fact that by the time the game's over, I'm pretty mentally exhausted, and, I, and that's, that's kind of a good feeling. So uh, honestly, I'm really enjoying this a lot, and I hope to be able to do it for several more years. What has been most enjoyable for you so far in your first year here? Uh, most enjoyable, I guess, if I could explain it properly, is that you're able to enact, uh, you know, your different theories, your different philosophies, and see if they, how they do uh, come to pass. Uh, again, in the past with the Angels, uh, I would do that there, but you know, it always had to be filtered through several people. But now you don't have to filter it, and I, I kind of like that. That's the one thing I like, and the other thing I like is the empowerment of the coaching staff. Uh, having uh, been a coach, having been a coach for so many years, uh, I've always believed in the empowering of the coaches and and uh, giving them giving them specific job descriptions and allowing them to do their job and staying out of their way. And I'm really enjoying that part. I've been watching our coaches really get after it, feeling as though they have the latitude to do what they like, and knowing that they they have my support. So. Uh, I guess, again, I, overall, it's, it's being able to implement your, your own personal philosophies and see how they fly. If you had the chance to talk to another first-year manager preparing for his first season managing in the major leagues, what's the best advice that you would give him? Um, the best advice I could possibly give him is be true to yourself. Uh, whatever you have believed coming into this, stay with it. Uh, the same kind of advice you give to a AAA player when he comes up to the big leagues to not change. Uh, so be true to yourself. You got here for a reason, um, and you, you have a chance to stay here for a good reason. I'm not saying you can't change or adapt, but uh, understand that the, all those different things that are within you that got you in the first place, stick to them, and they'll, they'll probably uh, pull you through eventually. So um, that would be my best piece of advice I'd give to anybody, I think. Now for the most important question, what is your favorite bottle of wine? Gosh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, just within the parameters of affordability and uh, with my limited um, background, I'm not quite a sommelier yet. Uh, can I give you two? Okay, I'll, give you, I'll give you two. Silver Oak, Alexander Valley 2000. Uh, it's a cab. It's wonderful. And then uh, Maryvale Profile. It's a, it's a meritage. And um, got to be very difficult to choose between one of those two on any given night. That is wine aficionado Joe Madden uh, getting a chance to uh, probably loves he, it in L.A. Then it it definitely he is a West Coast S- Southern California laid back guy. 
Uh, you could tell that from uh, his first days with the Rays to still with the Cubs, and these are all different types of environments, but uh, would love to see him wrap up his uh, managerial career uh, with at least one more good run uh, with the Angels. It seems as if uh, they have an owner that is willing to spend but doesn't always spend wisely. I think uh, he did this offseason. I think Anthony Rendon, yes. I, I'm going to talk about him later. I don't want to spoil everything, but worth every penny of what they paid him, and that was a lot of pennies. So their offense is competitive with, I believe it can be competitive with any team, so just the construction of it. Now, Andrelton Simmons is the premier defensive shortstop in baseball and doesn't get enough credit for just how amazing he is over there right now. And their offense is very strong. It's going to come down to their pitching. They've already said they're going six-man, I believe, because of Shohei Itani's unique skill set. Yes. And that's the skill set that allows him to bat and pitch. And I'm not, they've, I've heard different and things he was already. Good at both very good at both. Yes. He, he can handle it. If the, if the health wise, he can hold up. Yep. And he missed last year pitching from the Tommy John, but he still came back and hit substantially very well. It is in Shohei Otani's abilities are hard to put on paper because he's just not been seeing a player like that in so long. So there's only one player that we equate to having that level of talent in baseball's history. And that's the Babe. That's, that's, are you going to say Babe that, Ruth? That's, yeah, that's just true. Babe. Yeah, it's there's probably been, true. There's no one who's been able to do that. Now, again, I'm not comparing the two. I'm no. saying the skill set to be able to do that well offensively and in pitching hasn't been done at that level since Babe. So I, I, he's a fascinating guy that I probably will talk about uh, next week. We're going to talk about storylines that we're uh, mm-hmm. most interested in following. Uh, the Angels Otani. have a lot of them. The Angels oh. have a couple of them. So, yeah. 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 So, Otani is definitely one to see. Can he come back and perform at that level again? So, their current six-man rotation is scheduled to be Andrew Haney, Dylan Bundy, who they signed, or actually traded for from Baltimore. You One other guy. Top-end prospect, not that long ago, and never really worked out in Baltimore. He actually reminds me a lot of another Baltimore prospect who went to a Joe Madden team in Jake Arrieta and became a Cy Young winner with the Cubs. Dylan Bundy has some incredible stuff. It just didn't work out. A change of venue could be just what he needed. Griffin Canning would have not been there if the season started right away. He's now healthy. They expect him to be there. The question is going to be, okay, they have Matt Andres, then Jaime Bria and Shohei Itani. They did sign Julio Tehran, but he's another one. We don't really know. He is not at camp yet. A lot of, I believe he's waiting for results on a COVID-19 test. If he's there, I think their pitching can do enough. Their bullpen is underrated. If they can at least get you know that five innings and just at least be close, their bullpen is actually pretty solid. Uh, they have a couple, at least one guy. And his name has escaped me. I'll blurt it out later, but can do the multi inning uh, very well. He throws a upper nineties fastball. He's got a nice uh, uh, breaking ball. I'm guessing Keenan Middleton. That's not it, actually. Ooh, I'll, I like Keenan. I'll, I'll dig it up. Okay, you do it. I'll you dig it up. I like Keenan Middleton. I like a lot of their bullpen. I like this team as a whole. Um, Obviously, Mike Trout is the premier player. Fangraphs actually has Mike Trout projected in a 16-game season for 17 home runs and eight steals, which is, wow, what a, what a projection. That's projecting a home run every three days, essentially. A lot of questions are going to come down to, what are they going to get out of some guys like Justin Upton and Shohei Otani, who were hurt last year? We talked about Pujols. He's aging. He's 40 years old. Playing that often is going to tax his body on top of the fact it's already been taxed too much. So it's not a young team. It's It's an older team, but... In a shortened season, if they get hot, a team like this could very easily compete. Ty Buttry, uh, Buttry is, uh, okay. is uh, yeah, he's a good 72 innings pitched uh, uh, last year. 
uh, over 10 strikeouts, 10 and a half strikeouts per uh, uh, per nine innings, uh, had an ERA of 3.98, uh, and XFIP of 3.9, so pretty much right along along those lines. Uh, 1.4 wins above replacement. Just a, a good, uh, kind of an underrated pitcher. Again, the only reason why I know about him is that the Rays were interested in trying to trade for him from offseason rumors. So that's usually when I learn about guys they before they from, get there. They got him from Boston. He was like a throw-in in the Ian Kinsler trade, right? Yeah, was. That, was a, that was a good move for them, yeah. Good team. Who are we going to next? I believe it's your turn to pick. I took the Angels. Well, let's go with uh, the Texas Rangers. Okay. And I have been a fan of their front office for the last couple of years now. Uh, when you go out and watch teams that try to buy pitchers on the free agent market, uh, it is usually it usually ends up with buyer's remorse. Uh, and they are a team that has done the underrated moves on a pitching staff very, very well. Uh, just look at their uh, previous couple of years from trading for Mike Miner uh, and, and signing Lance Lynn. Uh, these were two uh, veteran pitchers who no one thought that much of. Now, they weren't uh, bottom-of-the-barrel, uh, non-guaranteed contract types, but they weren't looked at as being key members of a rotation. Both of them have done very well with the Rangers. They went out this offseason and are trying to do it two more times, and you love the underlying stats of these pitchers that you would not be surprising to see both of them succeed in a similar fashion. They traded for Corey Kluber. Uh, here's a guy who has a Cy Young uh, under his belt, uh, has battled with some injury issues, but the talent is definitely there, especially in a shortened season. You could see that talent reemerge very quickly. And then you have them signing Kyle Gibson. Uh, Kyle Gibson uh, was the poster child of look underneath the hood for for stats. He had a 4.84 ERA last year. Not good, but his uh, uh, his FIP was 3.8. That was a better FIP than in 2018 when he had an ERA of 3.62. Uh, his strikeouts are up to uh, 9 over 9 innings. He lowered his walk rate. Uh, this is a, a guy that I think is going to fit in very well uh, with this team. And then I, I told you off air, I believe this is the team that has the most underrated starting pitching staff in baseball. Even their fifth starter, they signed Jordan Lyles, who I watched the Brewers essentially take a trade for at the trade deadline and uh, turned him into a real, he was really good for the Brewers. So they have a very underrated pitching staff. I agree. Uh, I think they can all give you, we, I said in the last podcast, Lance Lynn pitched 90 innings or 90 pitches already in one of the warm-up games. So they, I'm expecting a lot of these guys to try to give them five, six innings. I think they're going to be willing to let them go out there and do it. And they're moving into a new ballpark. We don't gonna, know how it's going to play. I was going to ask you, what do you think from the, the ballpark at Arlington was always a, a hitter's haven? Because of the heat, a lot of it, right? Yeah. It was so hot there that you know, the ball carries better. And now it's a dome, right? I believe it's a dome they built. I believe so. Yeah, so I'm thinking it's going to be air-conditioned. So we never – you can guess a million things. We don't know. A lot of people thought New Yankee Stadium was going to be a hitter's par- or a pitcher's park, and it is absolutely a pitcher's park. So – With those Little League dimensions, yeah, don't get me started on I, that one. Yeah, so you, you can never guess. I'm assuming it'll be more pitcher-friendly, and that's good for what they have. They have guys that can hit the ball out of any ballpark. Joey Gallo plays for this team. He's – I believe – is he back? He had – self-quarantined, if I'm not mistaken. So if he's there, he can hit the ball out of any ballpark, and in a shortened season, he could literally give you 20 home runs in 60 games if he gets hot. 
This was a team that finished second uh, in major free agent signings in the offseason. They they wanted uh, Anthony Rendon. They mm-hmm. just didn't quite get up to, to that price point. They wanted Josh Donaldson. They didn't quite get up to that, that price point. Third is a weakness for them. So they did find a third baseman. That's Todd Frazier, who is kind of like pre-Joey Gallo a few years ago. A lot of strikeouts and a lot of home runs. But Todd Frazier, even when he was playing well, wasn't necessarily a great fit in baseball he was I said strikeouts and home runs and he's not aging great so that's going to be their third baseman they've signed Robinson Chirinos to play catcher who I actually like it's a good lineup Shinsu Chu Elvis Andrews Willie Calhoun Joey Gallo Todd Frazier Danny Santana Rugnet Odor Ronald Guzman and Robinson Chirinos it's a good lineup and like I said we don't know what their ball person to play like but it's been a strong offense the last few years I think their main question is in the bullpen which we can talk about in a little bit here yeah, the uh, Todd Frazier's numbers uh, coming from the the Mets uh, in 500 uh, uh, plate appearances, 250 batting average, uh, 329 on base percentage, uh, was worth just under two wins above replacement. Was uh, positive both offensively and defensively. Hit 20 home runs. Uh, so it's a matter of how this ballpark uh, plays up. But his uh, he seems as if he's more of a strikeout guy by reputation than actually by numbers. It was 21% strikeout rate, which when you think of guys, normally is 25 and above is really getting there. So I mean, it's not that he isn't, but I, I think it's a little bit overrated. Uh, he's kind of a, he's okay in a lot of things. Joey Gallows is 38%. Yeah, <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, Joey Gallo is uh, the epitome of an all-or-nothing. But it's fun to watch him. He right? is. So he really is. Okay, let's talk the bullpen here. So they expected Jose Leclerc to be the closer last year, and it didn't work out. He pitched to a – the year before, he had a 156 ERA with a 310 FIP, or XFIP, actually. And then last year, a 433 ERA with a 421 XFIP. So essentially, he's had the same XFIP, or actually get a little worse the last couple of years. So they bounced around closers last year. He's expected to be back in closing again this year. And – Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. We don't know. I know is their bullpen to me with Rafael Montero, Jesse Chavez. Some of these guys are they used to be good. They could be good again. That's the weakness if I look at the Rangers. And and LeClerc, I wonder if the the pressure of that contract extension just was a little bit too much for him. And once you start uh, especially on a, a, a shortened or in any sort of one year, it, it's not a lot of innings for for a guy. It's easy to have high variance. And I'm I'm hoping that in this season he's able to slow down a little bit more and and be that talent that he has been, uh, and, and if he is, if he can solidify the back end of that uh, bullpen, it changes the uh, this team completely. Before we move on, did you want to say anything about your buddy Nick Solak? Yeah, Nick Solak. I uh, thought maybe you'd I, want to I, talk about him. The uh, that has a, a chance to be a trade. That's a win-win for both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, after seeing more, and Peter Fairbanks uh, is who was traded a, a minor trade. People didn't think much of it at the at the time. Uh, Nick Solak was uh, all bat, no defense uh, type of reputation, uh, and the Rays rarely hang on to those types of players. At first, it felt like, really, this is all you got for him? Uh, and now Peter Fairbanks is... Uh, Throwing as hard as he ever has. He's healthy. He has a wipeout uh, slider that's going with it. He is striking guys out big time in uh, the spring training summer camp uh, action here uh, and has a chance to be playing a big role uh, in that bullpen. So I think I'm going to end up being happier than this than I thought, which, again, always give the, the race front office the benefit of the doubt. There's a reason why 
Uh, they're as good as they are. That being said, Nick Solak can hit. Is, yeah, all he does is is hit. And when thrust into uh, his first chance uh, at the major leagues, twenty four games, or excuse me, not uh, I was thirty three games. There we go. Uh, batted three fifty, batted two ninety three with a three ninety three on base percentage, uh, one twenty six WRC plus, uh, an excellent uh, debut. Uh, a, a walk rate of double digits. A strikeout rate wasn't terrible either. Uh, pretty much just at a 200 ISO. Uh, so all the advanced stats say, yeah, he's good. Now, he did have uh, a higher uh, than average BABIP at 354. So, yes, that's going to come down a little bit. But for guys that spray speed, the ball, yeah. uh, I think it's it'll. my guess is 330s is, is a fair expectation for him. Uh, so an underrated player, I mean, if you play fantasy baseball and you're just looking to stash a couple of guys uh, on the, the, the lower part of your bench, uh, he's someone that you can fill in uh, that is going to uh, give you at least solid numbers uh, across the board uh, at second base when it's not always the easiest to find offensive numbers uh, uh, to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm uh, excited to see him over a full season, too, to see if he can keep it up. Uh, he might be one of those uh, rare ones that, that got away. We'll talk about that in the NL West for another rare trade that worked out well for someone else with the way, with the Rays, German Marquez. Oh, I, didn't know he was, I never knew he was a Ray. So, I learned something new, so there we yeah. go. Um, yeah, Nick Solek, I think he could actually, we talked about Todd Frazier. They send him a one-year deal. I think Nick Solek, if he can learn how to play third, I know they've tried him over there. I think that could be the future at third for Texas. Let's move on to the other Texas team here. The, another big storyline. It was going to be, how many times are Houston going to get hit, right? Houston, if you don't remember, all the way back in January, this talk of the town was Houston, and how many times are they going to get hit for banging trash cans and possibly cheating their way to a world? Well, it's confirmed. They they did. Like I don't know why I said possibly. They recorded and used videos to try to get pitches tipped, and that's illegal. They so. pulled the Bill Belichick. Sure. Uh, don't Belichick, <laughs> not Brady. Good, good point. Okay. So... Houston, now they're not going to have to deal with the fans. Uh, there's not going to be fans in games as far as I know. I believe that's been confirmed. And so that's not going to be a problem. They're not going to have to deal with the unending amount of boos. And yes, this team went to the World Series last year. They lost the premier pitching prospect or pitching free agent in baseball and Garrett Cole. They still have a really good pitching staff headlined by two very likely Hall of Famers and Justin Verlander and Zach Greinke. And this offense is still premier. You have superstars at many positions, George Springer, Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Yuli Gurriel, Carlos Correa, just those six are extraordinarily good talents at the top of their lineup. So I think Houston is going to be just fine this year. Let's let's address the, the first part there of first. the storyline before oh. we dive into the into the players themselves. Because okay. we mentioned the... Uh, we knew what this year was going to be like if it was a regular year. We saw it in spring training version 1.0. Mm-hmm. Guys were getting beaned already. Players were massively upset. That was going to be happening in every stadium around the country. Now, fast forward to where we are today. I'm curious to see, and this is one of those other storylines that I'll mention uh, next week, uh, but... Baseball has a long memory. Baseball is a traditionalist sport still. Uh, They believe in policing the game themselves, whether people uh, like it or don't like it. That's always been part of this game. Will the current circumstance cause baseball to treat this differently? 
or will this embolden more pitchers to do something because any sort of fighting is uh, completely banned this year? So that kind of also could work in the opposite direction that I have more incentive to do an oops pitch because no one can come out here and do anything to me anyways. So it's kind of curious when we actually get back into the year, will this be a focal point of players or has enough time passed where it's just going to be swept under the rug and ignored? What do you think, Corey? I think I, I kind of hate the unwritten rules of baseball. Mm -hmm. I know some people love them. I kind of hate them. I don't need to see. I love watching. Yes, they did cheat. I understand that. I don't want to see Alex Bregman get hurt. He's an excellent player. I don't want to see him waste a year because somebody came in and broke his arm. It, that would make me upset. I don't want him to get hit all the time. I'm afraid it'll still happen. Just play the game and try to beat him the right way. They don't need more help getting on base. They're plenty good as it is. Don't hit him, please. But I know they're not. Nobody's listening to this. I'm sure that's going to care about that. But please don't hit him. I just want to watch the game. So what do you think? Do you think they're going to get hit a lot? You know, I, I think they still will. Yeah, I, I think, think so, too. I think the uh, maybe not in the first week. I think everyone just wants to get into a routine. But I think once that gets going, especially when tensions heat up over playoff races and everything that's there, I, I guess here's what it comes down to to me. Can Houston do what they haven't really done to this point and show a little bit of humility? That's true. They have not, I will agree, they have not handled it always the best way they should show some remorse. I agree with that. If, if they act arrogant and try to be overly dominant in this, I think that is going to bring up uh, the past very quickly and make it the present. Uh, so that will be interesting to see. Let's actually talk about on-the-field talent, though. Uh, There's a lot of it. We'll go to mm-hmm. offense because that's uh, without any questions. This is their swan song. You have players. George Springer is in his last year of arbitration. Uh, you're not going to be re-signing him. Uh, Michael Brantley uh, is in his last year before he's a free agent again. Uh, that was an excellent uh, free agent signing for them. Uh, you have other guys that are getting up higher in, in, in price point. Uh, it's hard to keep this type of talent together. Uh, Alex Bregman signed a contract extension, didn't he? And so that one came through and five Jose, years, $100 million. Yes, Jose Altuve, uh, his big deal is uh, fully in effect. You can't keep this much talent together for this long. So you're going to lose some of these guys. So this is the last year, and we focus on this year, not what's coming up. This is still, to me, the best offense in the American League. They, they do things so well with this group of established talent. Uh, and uh, I, I see you kind of a, a squinting at that. Let me let me at least ask, who do you think is, uh, who would you give the number one rated offense to? Minnesota would have something to say about that. Yeah. Minnesota and Houston. With Houston has a question, right? Houston's big question right now is their rookie of the year, reigning rookie of the year, Jordan Alvarez, hasn't reported yet. And we do not know if he has coronavirus or not. It's, I believe the last we knew was essentially he's not there. And that's a very good indication that at least he's waiting for a result of nothing else. He's the defending rookie of the year, an incredible hitting prospect in his own right. And if he's there, then I will give you, I will say that at least they're equal, but I'm not going as far as to say they're the best. And if he's not there, it's not as good as Minnesota because Minnesota's is stacked top to bottom. We talked about them before, yes. but it's an, it's a very good offense. Even if he's not there, they'll probably put Kyle Tucker there. Who's another, he's been, they've been expecting good things out of Kyle Tucker for a few years, but their yep. team is so deep that there's just not been a spot to put him. So 
it's an excellent team. And they're pitching. We talked about Justin Verlander and Zach Ranke are likely Hall of Famers someday. After that, Lance McCullers missed all of last year with Tommy John. They're hoping to get it out of him. And then it drops to Josh James and Austin Pruitt. So Austin Pruitt is a Ray, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he, he was, and he could fill in for a few innings, but he was never consistent enough. He looked very good for even a couple of starts, and then he would get shelled. Uh, and so it wouldn't uh, stay consistent or constant. Here's my question. Can you truly keep Houston as the team of the AL when you do nothing to replace Garrett Cole? No. So Houston is going to be a... Uh, I'll probably end up putting Houston as my pick in this division. I actually have a couple written down. I haven't made my decision yet. But I don't think Houston's the premier team in the American League. In the last few years, it's been clear. Houston, on paper, should have won a lot of games. And they did win a lot of games. And without when you lose a pitcher of Garrett Cole's caliber, and obviously he won the Cy Young Award last year, and we talked about Garrett Cole at the Yankees, you can't replace that. Austin Pruitt was not even in the same you know zip code. Lance McCullers, even if he is fully recovered from Tommy John surgery, is no Garrett Cole. Now, what they do have going for them is they also have one of the premier bullpens in the game. Roberto Osuna is a dominant closer. Ryan Presley is phenomenal for them in the bullpen. They they can shorten a game a lot with their bullpen, whether it's Brad Peacock, Chris Davinsky, Ryan Presley. Those guys can shorten games. With that offense, You a shortened game is all you really need because that offense can put up a lot of runs. Yeah, it's a... Uh... You can balance it out, especially when, again, this is a team that is more built to win the short series than it is to uh, over 162-game season. When a shortened season, uh, you're going to face Verlander and uh, Granke more. Uh, that's going to be a big part of this team. You have a, an offense that can carry average pitching. Uh, so that's all that they need, especially when you can shorten the game with a, a very good bullpen. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, again, uh, we have uh, Justin Verlander is uh, in his age 37 season. Uh, Zach Greinke, I believe, is 35, is he not? He is 36, almost 37. He's not far behind on that list. So, yeah, they're asking, obviously, you don't get nearly as many rest days. They're going to ask a lot out of those two. Now, Zach Greinke is one who, Justin Verlander relies on power. There was a time when people thought he had lost it, and he got it back and became the dominant force he is again. Zach Greinke does not rely on power. Zach Greinke is like a fine wine that gets better with age because he can throw it up there at like 50 miles an hour with some ridiculous break. So, Zach Greinke, I'm not worried about Zach Greinke's age at all. Justin Verlander, eventually Justin Verlander is going to lose a couple of miles an hour off that heat again, and it will drop off. I'm not saying he's going to be unpitchable, and I don't expect it to happen this year. The- it's hard for an American League pitcher to have an ERA under three, and both those guys did that last year. Verlander was 2.53, if I'm remembering that correctly, 293 for uh, Granke. That is just incredible numbers uh, to be leading any part of a rotation. So again, I think we're in agreement that Houston is still the class of the AL West. We'll see where your prediction is when we get there. Uh, But I'm not as fearful of them as I was last year. I think this is a team that's still very good and could get hot for one more year. Uh, But I think we're starting to see the beginning of the end. And we'll see if I eat my words by the end of this uh, this season or not. But how about uh, looking at... Oakland as we wrap up the AL West uh, what excites you about the A's what gives you pause oh let's talk about the A's young pitchers so Frankie Montas gets suspended last year 80 games for steroids 
if you look at the underlying numbers, and I did a lot, I'm not concerned that Frankie Montas is dropping off a cliff. I think he's going to be very good this year. A.J. Puck had Tommy John surgery. He was one of their premier young pitching prospects in the game. They drafted him, I believe, like fifth or sixth overall a few years ago. He's going to be in the rotation from day one. I think he's going to be really good. Sean Manaya's is back. They got him a couple years ago. He missed a lot of time last year with Tommy John surgery. Got back at the end. I think he could be very good. And then... It all the if Jesus Lazardo is okay from day one, I think their young pitching is as good as any team in baseball. Did you notice in all four of those pitchers, it was all when they were here or when they got back? Oakland has mm-hmm. been hit hard with pitching injuries or unfortunate circumstances. Stinks. If they can get these guys all on the field at the same time, uh, they already have uh, won ninety plus games. Without having them there, they find they are the team. They are the classic where they find a way. Like life finds a way in Jurassic Park style. Like Oakland finds a way to win games. It's incredible. They're awesome at it. Their offense, once again, underrated. I think very underrated. Uh, they hit a lot of home runs, if nothing else. Marcus Simeon, I believe he finished like fifth in MVP voting in the American League last year. Another guy silently did that. I say the quietest MVP caliber season in baseball last year. 123 runs scored, 33 home runs, 92 RBIs, 10 steals, hit 285 doing that. Seven war. That's really good. <laughs> uh, according to fan graphs, 7.6 wins That's above replacement. really good. They have Ramon Laureano matchup, and these are some of the premier defenders in baseball, too. Like, we're talking a team that's built around defense and power. Chris Davis had a poor year for them last year. You're hoping for the bounce back. He was so consistent. I mean, literally, the epitome of consistency, 247, five straight years, and it dropped down to 220 last year. They're hoping for the bounce back, and if they do, I think it can compete with the A's and the Angels. I think they can compete with them. Their offense, yeah, is surprisingly better than what you might uh, remember. You had from Matt Chapman and Matt Olson, the the Mats that were doing uh, very well. Both of them hit 36 home runs. Uh, Chapman at six over six wins above replacement, four for Matt Olson. Uh, a guy that uh, came into the uh, a career year last year unexpected, Mark Canha. Yeah, as he did. Uh, age, uh, it was 29 last year, 26 home runs, uh, 273 batting average, uh, 396 on base percentage, 517 slugging percentage, a four win above replacement season. He came out of nowhere. He was a good part-time player that all of a sudden exploded into a uh, a more full-time position. I watched a guy like Ben Zobrist do that later on, and there's some of these guys who get that later uh, effect where they just put it all together. If that is true, if he continues uh, with that, uh, you have a, a very deep lineup that, again, is old school uh, in terms of hitting the home run. They hit a lot of them. Uh, and it's there. changed from, so, like, we talked about with Eric Chavez last week, right? We talked about this. They they didn't used to be like that, but they have found, they under they take advantage of what other teams don't want, and that's how they've always done it. And now it's home runs, so they say, well, get home run hitters. They expected a lot. The one that I would be very excited for this year is Steven Piscotti. They expected a lot out of yes. Piscotti a couple years ago, and he had a good first year there. And last year, I believe he left, they let him leave because his mom was very sick, which, awesome, they are a great organization. They I believe they're the first ones to come out. Didn't they pay all their players right away when this happened? I can't remember that one. I, I think so, but it, it doesn't matter. Anyways, they let Stephen Piscotty go, but he's never been. He's always been a very good player. If he comes at even lengthens that lineup out more, gives them another player that they can rely upon, 
I think the A's are could be a contender this year. This is one of the best teams against left-handed pitching because they have a lot of right-handed power, and Piscotty is an example of that. He's a, a part-time player who does things very, very well in that category. He does what he does very well. I think an underrated player for them when we're talking about this offense is their young catcher, Sean Murphy, uh, age 24. Uh, to, last year came in, uh, it was only 20 games. Uh, but his offense uh, in the minors is uh, is solid. His defense has a good reputation. It's hard finding good catchers, uh, and if he produces anything on offense to what they already have, uh, this is one of the most underrated offenses in the in the American League. It's also an underrated bullpen. Liam Hendricks is really good. Joaquin Soraya, Yusmero Petit, they they turn their bullpen over unbelievable from year to year. They'll, they'll turn it over and they always get great production. The A's are a fun team to watch. Who did you, who, are we, we're done in the division, right? Yeah. This wraps up That's, the, the uh, AL West. I think so, we forgot somebody. No, we did. We got them so all. <laughs> let's talk about our, our best addition to the division and then our uh, underrated addition. I'll take the free space here. Cause I want to talk about him some more. Yep. I kind of yep. gloss over him. Let's talk Anthony Rendon. Anthony Rendon gets the biggest contract, I believe, of any hitter this offseason. Seven yep. years, $245 million. So $35 million a year, that's pretty good. Patrick Mahomes says it's okay. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, yeah. Pocket <laughs> change, right? So I believe that Anthony Rendon, while he got that contract, and most people know that Anthony Rendon is good, I believe that he's actually still underrated. He's quietly been exceptional. So he's played two, three, four, five, seven years. On our GOAT series, we talk about the score of five war. In seven years, he has four seasons above that. A six in the last three, 6.7, 6.2, He Honestly, he probably deserved the MVP last year in the National League. 117 runs, 34 homers, 126 RBIs, 319 average. Anthony Rendon is exceptionally good, and he's going to be put right behind Mike Trout to finally give him some protection in the lineup. If Shohei Otani can bat behind him, and I think he can at least four days a week, the A's lineup is really strong. Yeah, the- or, sorry, the Angels lineup. I said the A's. <laughs> I think this division has the best three, four, five uh, hitters uh, in uh, in any uh, division overall. You're talking like I'm saying number three, number four, and number five in the batting lineup. Uh, when you think of uh, Houston, you have Altuve, Springer, Bregman, Bregman or Alvarez. Uh, Alvarez. Yeah, so obviously they have more than three. They have some incredible. Uh, <laughs> but then you can look at at Oakland, and you have uh, from uh, Olson, Chapman, uh, Canha, uh, Simeon. Uh, and then you look at the Angels now with Otani, uh, Trout, Rendon. They have that same caliber uh, of high-end players. Tommy Lastella wasn't bad last year either. We didn't talk He's about him. He's going to bat leadoff for him. I think they want to bat him leadoff too. So Madden does different things with leadoff yeah, hitters. We didn't talk about uh, so, Joe Madden and his weird lineups. but So that's uh, definitely a case there. But uh, talking about Anthony Rendon, uh, the most complete player that was signed, he will give you uh, – high-quality defense at the hot corner. He's going to give you uh, an excellent bat. Uh, good thirds basemen are hard to find, and he's in the prime of his career. Uh, this was an excellent addition for the Angels. Hopefully it doesn't go the way of uh, Pujols. Hopefully this stays around long enough oh, to I give them not. something to uh, to stick around for, for quite a while. But, yeah, uh, he's my best addition as well. Uh, he's worth every penny. Uh, and you're getting him in the prime of his career for a team that is looking for that, again, lineup protection for Trout, so it isn't just him. Uh, and it's going to be fun to watch Trout with a a deeper lineup to see how much that helps him 
uh, as well. How about for your uh, underrated or unsung edition? I'm going to keep it in that same team, the Angels. I'm going to go with Dylan Bundy. So Dylan Bundy is 7-14 and 14 last year with the Orioles. It doesn't sound good, but he strikes out over one per nine innings, 9.02, so just over one. He's not great at the walks. 3.2 isn't great, but 1.5 home runs per nine, that's, that's about average now. It's just a lot of bad luck. He has almost – his left-on base percentage isn't there. His, he gets two and a half wins above replacement. So his ERA is almost five, but the FIP is four and a half. It's the year before, his ERA is almost five and a half, but the FIP is 4.2. He's had some really bad luck. Pitching in the AL East is not easy. You place Boston. You face the Rays. You face the Yankees. Those are some small parks. Boston and the New Yorks especially are tiny. Even Baltimore, where he pitched his home games, is really small. Toronto's offense and what gets done there in that yeah. ballpark. It, it's a hard division to pitch in. Getting him out of there, I think, is going to be good for Dylan Bundy's career. He goes from those parks to Los Angeles. Angels have a big park. Spacious parks. Spacious, right? Yeah, Seattle's is massive. So I think that Dylan Bundy is my underrated acquisition because they actually traded for him. Uh, for me, it's I'm going with the pitcher as well, but I'm going with the Rangers. I've already kind of uh, gushed about him a little bit, Kyle Gibson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a classic bounce-back guy, as I mentioned. He, he had an ERA close to five, but the underlying stats say it was similar to the year before uh, where he had an ERA of 3.62. Uh, he had a, a horrible BABIP against him uh, last year as well, but I like his addition with the defense that uh, Texas offers. He's more of a ground ball type pitcher that's going to help him in the in the long run there as well. Uh, so that's my uh, underrated uh, addition there in, in the AL West. Who's your prediction? Now we'll get to, uh, uh, we've given you as much time as we possibly can to, uh, do to come to it. You got I'm it? I'm going to do it. So I have Houston or Los Angeles Angels down on my piece of paper. I, I'm going to say, that in a short season, you want the best players. And the best player in this division is the, is Mike Trout. So I'm going to say that in a shortened season, Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, we talked about these guys already a lot. And those guys can get hot and carry a team. Now, Houston's lineup is exceptionally deep. They, they have the best two starting pitchers probably in this division. But after that, it kind of drops off. They're asking a lot. So I'm going to take the Angels and say their depth of their rotation, plus the fact that their lineup is really deep in its own right, carries them to this division title. This is the hardest division to predict. There's some really hard. There's, there's some really teams. hard ones in a short. Yep. Uh, you can make an argument for for three teams.